This week on the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, we talk about your mental health. It's so important. What can you do to help maintain your mental health? What can you do to help somebody else who might be struggling? This is an incredible episode. Um, you don't want to miss this one. Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast, founded in 2011 and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert Two longtime music industry pros discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you need to succeed in this. Build new- a stunning band website in minutes with Banzoogle. Go to Banzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. You got Mike, you got Jay. Um, this is going to be a really refreshing discussion we've got coming up here uh in just a minute or two but before we get into this this episode's special guest um quick shout out thank you to bruce and everybody at hypebot and bands in town for all your support and of course to our sponsors bandzoogle.com we want to take this time to congratulate bandzoogle members for surpassing 100 million dollars in commission-free sales of music, merch, and tickets Incredible. through their websites. Just think of that. People are selling music, merch, and tickets and not paying a commission. $100 million in commission free sales on Banzoogle. Um, Banzoogle makes it so easy to build a stunning website and online store for your music in minutes. All the features you need are already built in, including dozens of full, fully customizable templates, Tools to sell music, merch, and tickets commission-free. Mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters. Integrations with Bandcamp, SoundCloud, YouTube, Bands in Town, and more. So you can easily add content from your other online profiles. And, of course, amazing live tech support seven days a week from their musician-friendly team. Plans at Bandzoogle start at just $8.29 a month. And that includes hosting of your website, and your own custom, free custom domain name. Music Biz Weekly podcast listeners, head over to bandzoogle.com to try it for free for 30 days and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY, all one word, and you'll get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY. And of course, thank you so much to discmakers.com, We know it's a digital world, but there's still such an important role for physical media for today's musicians. Digital royalty payments can be so small. Selling products like CDs, vinyl, even T-shirts at gigs and online has become such an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. Head over to DiscMakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, and you will save up to $150 in shipping costs. Jay, who's joining us this week, and what are we chatting about? Today, we're going to talk to Ryan Dusick. You may remember him as the original drummer of Maroon 5, but he's much more than that. Um, He's got a book out. He's a therapist. He's a coach, uh, advocate. And today, our topic is 
Mental Health and Music. And uh, I highly recommend his book. It's called Harder to Breathe. But we're going to dig into his journey and talk a little bit about just mental health in music. Yeah, what you can do to help your own mental health. And maybe what you can do to help somebody else in your band who might be struggling with mental health issues. Um, This is a great, important episode for every musician of any level. Give this a listen. Subscribe on YouTube, follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your support. Today, we are very grateful to be joined by Ryan Dusick. He's a therapist, coach, author, uh, original drummer of Maroon 5. Uh, His book is called Harder to Breathe, a memoir of making Maroon 5, losing it all, and finding recovery. And uh, I highly recommend it. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, you know, we've talked about this a little bit about how important mental health is in all aspects of life, but really in music and entertainment. But before we kind of dive in, tell our audience a little bit of your story. Yeah, well, you know, I feel like I've lived like four lives at this point, really, already. (laughs) And I'm only 45, so (laughs) a couple more to live, hopefully. (laughs) Uh, yeah, you know, I started out growing up in LA and, uh, my first passion was baseball. That was my, my love. I thought I was going to pitch for the Dodgers someday. Uh, but that kind of took a a left turn in high school and music became my, my biggest passion and, uh, started a band in 94 called Cara's Flowers, which would go on for, for me over a decade. And, uh, we would be, yeah, I was, uh, 94 to 2006. I was in that band. And we became Maroon 5 in 2001. Um, And so that was quite a journey for me from age 16 to age 28, going from, uh, you know, playing in my parents' garage uh, all the way up to, you know, the biggest stages in the world. Sure. And then that career ended um, really unfortunately for me. It was quite a loss. Uh, I just lost the ability to perform playing the drums. Uh, I was a physical uh, breakdown, but it was also understanding it more in retrospect. It was also a psychological breakdown uh, that really took me to some really um, harrowing depths, you know, in terms of my my mind, body and spirit feeling really broken. And I suffered through that and I suffered through alcoholism and anxiety disorder and depression for probably about a decade after that, before I found recovery, finally and started this whole new journey, which has been just so fulfilling, has provided me with new purpose and meaning in my life. And I'm, uh, you know, over six and a half years sober now. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you very much. And not only that, but I'm giving back. I'm a therapist. I'm with people. And I've written this book, Harder to Breathe, which talks about my journey. Ryan, is is a big aspect of of mental health, the, the challenges musicians face, Sort of the old, be careful what you wish for when you wish for success, because with that success comes pressure, all these, I guess, these pressures and demons that that you really don't hear about in. Well, you you are more and more now because the media and everything's becoming much more transparent. But back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you only heard about I'm a success. You didn't hear about. I'm mentally collapsing because of the success. Is that one of the biggest challenges that musicians are not aware of when it comes to mental health? 
Yeah, I think it's really hard for people that, you know, are aspiring to a certain lifestyle, a certain level of success to even fathom that there could be anything that goes with that that's not uh, just awesome all the time, you know, that it's not this glamorous life. And of course, there is a lot about it that's glamorous and wonderful. And and I'm not, you know, knocking the, the, the you know, the things that go with that lifestyle that are really wonderful. And I had some incredible experiences. But there's so much that you can't even anticipate in terms of what it'll do to to your lifestyle, to your psyche, to the pressures that you're putting on yourself and that you're, you know, having to face externally, the demands on your time and your energy and privacy. Uh, you know, so there's so much that goes into it that even if somebody sat you down and tried to explain to you what the lifestyle is like, right? you can't even really anticipate because if, unless you've done, you know, 20 years of therapy beforehand, and you've really understood <laughs> the inner workings of your soul to such a level that you can take on anything and it's not going to be overwhelming. Uh, yeah. It's going to bring things out of you that you haven't even found out about yourself yet. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, how did you get to that point? Because... I think that one of the hardest things, and correct me if I'm wrong, is just admitting you have a problem and seeking help. Because I know a lot of folks who it's like, I don't have a problem. And it's like, clearly they do have a problem. How did you get to the point to identify in yourself, I need help. Um, I've reached a point. I need to get professional help. And, and, and let me add to that, Ryan. How can you identify it before you hit the lowest of lows where you have no choice other than to recognize it, you know, hopefully avoiding the complete burnout collapse and potentially Crash. even worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know for me, if I could have learned, you know, my lesson any earlier on because uh, I was in total denial and it wasn't something that, <laughs> You know, alcohol wasn't the main issue when I was in the band. When I was performing, alcohol was something that was, uh, I suppose, a coping mechanism and I suppose a way in which we would, you know, blow off some steam when we had a night off. But it wasn't something that it was a daily, I was getting drunk on stage or I was hungover on stage every day. So right. it, really, it didn't look like that was a problem for me at that time. Um, in retrospect, I understand it was a lot more complicated than that. It was my mental health. It was my relationship to myself. It was my self-care, the way in which I was taking care of myself. Uh, you know, those things I certainly could have probably been uh, better at if I had I had more perspective at that point in my life. It took me going through some really, uh, you know, low, low depths of, of suffering after that for me to finally hit the place where I was in acceptance and not in denial anymore. And, you know, that was a lot of alcoholism and a lot of anxiety before I, I came to that place. What allowed me to get there was really just, I didn't want to live that way anymore. It was, yeah, I was suffering in every way, you know, mind, body, and spirit, and just feeling really disconnected from life. Um, and just had, you know, the good fortune of clarity for a moment and, and the support of loved ones, um, you know, to allow me to see that if I kept going the way I was going, it was just going to keep getting worse until I died. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the only re the real only real option if I wanted to live was to turn around and start walking in the other direction as terrifying as that was. How did you do it? I mean, did you just go to the yellow pages or Google it? I mean, how, did you go to a friend and say, do you know anybody good? I mean, how did you go from that point where you went, okay, this is spinning out of control. I'm not happy. I need to change something. I need to improve my life. Now what? 
Well, the funny, funny thing is that I had been sort of dipping my toes in that world for a few years already. And I was and wondering, pretending that I was doing the work, which is, very, <laughs> I think, a very common thing. There's so many stages of denial that you go through with your addiction. You know, <laughs> I, I had gone into rehab once, with, like in my early 30s, mid 30s, maybe. And it, I, I went to the Pasadena Recovery Center, which is where they shot uh, Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. And, you know, that was like the only thing in my my mind at that point that was that applied to me in terms of going <laughs> and getting help. And it was a good experience uh, overall. And I think I took some things with it that were helpful. Um, but it wasn't the thing that that changed anything for me, really. I went right really? back my my drinking and and suffering um and spent a few more years uh gathering you know more evidence as we say more evidence <laughs> that I'm not an alcoholic you know but of course it really was evidence that I was I can quit anytime I want right right <laughs> so uh I had a therapist that I was going to every week I was you know saying I was working on my anxiety and that that was the underlying issue and that the alcoholism was just uh, a symptom until I finally reached that bottom and came to a place of acceptance and humility. And at that point, I, I my girlfriend was the one who was kind of um, pushing me most, and, and I thank her for that, um, and supporting you know me really, really turning a page and really getting help. Uh, I went, to, we went to my therapist. He suggested I go to the Betty Ford Center uh, out in the desert in Rancho Mirage, check in, inpatient in the hospital, detox and everything. Um, spend at least a month there. And at that, wow. that point, because I had been so down and out uh, to the depths of my soul, I was ready for whatever was offered to me. You know, I was really, I, all of my illusions had been stripped in that time between the first stay <laughs> and the second one that I just, I just made a decision. I'm going to do whatever they suggest I do one day at a time. And, uh, and walk through it. And it just, it kind of, one thing led into the the next, it was like a detox for a few days. Then I was just in the general population there at Betty Ford for a month. They recommended I not go straight home after that, uh, they, that I stay there at a sober living house and, and continue to go to classes during the day. I did that for a month. When wow. I, when I checked out completely, they said, we don't recommend you go home and just go back to your normal life. We'd recommend you join like an outpatient program for a few months at least. I did that. Uh, when I finished that program, uh, they asked if I wanted to stay on as a volunteer and talk to groups and stuff. I said, sure, great. I'll Interesting. Do that. So it was really just at one Betty thing. Ford. No, at a place called uh, the Matrix Institute. Okay. Okay. So that was, it was just really a, a, a like a long journey that led me from there volunteering for two years back to school to get a master's in clinical psychology. Wow. Ryan, is, is, is part of the challenge of dealing with this in the music industry that, that you're going to be surrounded by people, and I'm not saying this is your case, but I'm looking at this high level in general. You're surrounded by people that are, quote, yes men, that will just say, yes, you're doing fine. Yes, you're doing fine. As well as people who their only concern is we got to get through one more album because there's money on the line. There's another tour that's money on the line. There's a sponsorship that's money on the line. I.e., my, my livelihood is on the line, and you're part of why I have this livelihood. So you can't stop. 
what you're doing. You have to just keep moving forward. Is that is that a challenge? Yeah, that was a big part of it because I think that, you know, you have to consider the fact that it's not just you and your career. There is management, there is record label, there is the promotional team. At this point, you know, when you have an artist who's um, doing well with touring and, and appearances and everything they do, it's basically a corporation at that point, right? Yeah, now. yeah, yep. It's a business. It's a business and all of these things are integrated and it's it's hard for, for, for people, I think, on the outside to recognize how much of a machine that is that for any one person to stand up and say, hey, I think this is maybe not the healthiest thing would be really difficult to do. I think that you're starting to see a little bit more understanding of that in the industry. And you're seeing young artists taking time off or canceling tours for their physical or their mental health in, in a way that with, with honesty and, and transparency, as you said, in, that you didn't see even 10 years ago. You know, it, it used to be that you would hear it, it every now and then a tour would get canceled and so-and-so, you know, tour is canceled due to exhaustion. Right, whatever that means. Yeah, <laughs> right. Could mean a lot of things. Or, 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 you know, in the in the extreme case, oh, the 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 lead guitarist entered rehab, and you know, that could mean a million different things. We just never were aware of it. I think, you know, and I can't remember who it was. I just read a headline this morning that some band member, I think, some rock metal band, smaller band maybe, is stepping away for mental health reasons. I think 20, 30, 40 years ago, if they came out and exactly said that, boy, that would be, that would be huge. You know, yeah. people would be like up in arms. Oh my God, you know, mental health, what's going on? Aren't you tough enough? Now. There's less great. of a stigma attached it's to it. There's less of a stigma attached to it. Yeah. Think about it. You know, how much that would affect your career if you, if you said something about your mental health 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we were in the it's middle. Like blackballing yourself. Right, right. Yeah, really. I mean, not that I had any self-awareness about what my mental health status or issue was uh, in 2002, three, four. But when we were promoting songs about Jane, basically, we got advice early on from a record label and from management, say yes to everything, right? Everything that's offered to you on this album, if you have a hit, you have to just strike while the iron is hot. Uh, and if you say yes to everyone, you'll set yourself up to have a real career. Because if you say no, those people aren't going to ask again. Right. So there really was no option in the middle. I was one of five members in the band. You had, you know, a big management firm, record label, all these people involved who, you know, were building something. And I felt like I was building something and I didn't want to let anyone down. Right. So in the middle of that went two years, pressure. three years into touring. Yeah. The amount of pressure we're under and I'm feeling worn down physically. I'm feeling like my my entire constitution is kind of falling apart. What am I going to do in the middle of that? Raise my hand and say, I'm worried about my mental health. I, mean, we, I think we need to take a break. Yeah, can, right. can we, and then can, kill can, everybody's can, livelihood. Can I just a... take a break for the next three months and just put everything on hold and then come back? It's like, to what I was getting to, you're going to have a lot of people who are like, no, you can't do that. Um, you know, I was going to add to it. There's a lot of contracts in the music business. There's a lot of contracts that may be very detrimental to you if you did something like that you may you be know? legally bound legally bound tour, or right? large amounts of money have to be returned and that money's already been spent so where is the money to to pay back to buy so i can only imagine all of those external pressures 
make the situation even worse. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, the conversation we're having now and, the, the you know, as you said, the stigma being removed from from actually, you know, caring about your mental health and talking about how important it is to have taken care of yourself before you go out and do things in the world for others. Um, I think that's that's the shift. That's the beginning of a new conversation that we can have that is is helpful because you know, you see people in this position and if you, you don't even have the option of saying, uh, I'm, if you have to say I, I'm exhausted, you know, instead of, you right. know, I'm, I had, I had a, a psychotic break or I am <laughs> suffering with right, depression right. or, you know, it's just not sustainable, you know, to build yeah. a sustainable career, you have to be in a position where you're able to care for yourself. You know, right. how many artists yeah. have you seen where their, their whole career or life, you know, has, has just gone away completely because, they were, haven't been able to find the help that they needed. So being able to have the conversation for the stigma to be removed is the first step for anything. Well, I'd really like to learn about, okay, so now let's fast forward. You've gone back to school. You've overcome a lot of adversity. Now you're sitting down with someone like you. And I would love to kind of get a sense without, you know, revealing anything uh, proprietary or personal what was that like to sit down with someone who maybe had anxiety or alcoholism or was really hitting um, rock bottom? You going through what you've gone through and then getting also some professional training to kind of understand all of that. Talk about how that felt to sit down with somebody face to face and have that conversation. It's really a powerful thing. And I think that I, I, you know, early in my recovery, I was sitting down with people at a recovery center. Uh, and then once I, you know, I had worked the 12 steps, I was sponsoring people. And pretty early on, I realized the power of that. Uh, because being of service to somebody else um, gets you out of your self-obsession, which is part of the disease of addiction. <laughs> part of the problem. Yeah. And it also, it, it fills you up with a feeling of purpose and for the first time in a long time, I felt like I had something to offer, you know, <laughs> something. And I had actually gained it through my suffering, right? So it really was a powerful thing for me that gave my life new meaning and purpose. And so that was a big reason why I wanted to do that professionally. I felt like if I could get a degree on top of that and do this, you have an education to back up the life experience that I have. Uh, then I can really do some good and, and feel like I'm doing something meaningful. Uh, but I will say, though, that my life experience, the things that I was challenged with, is are the things that inform the work that I do, probably more than anything else. Because when I sit with a, another human being who's suffering in ways that are very familiar to me, and I can offer actual you know, firsthand experience with those things, how I suffered. And so be, you know, to be compassionate and, and empathic with that person, but then also share with them the things that I learned in my life that helped me and that continue to help me. Um, that just, you know, it makes it all worthwhile. I know that sounds a little cliche, but you know, that's, that's exactly where I'm supposed to be at this point in my life. Everything I've been given both good and bad, you know, serve me in what I'm doing uh, as a professional and just as a human being trying to be helpful. Ryan, you know, we're in 2023 now and the music industry now is a lot different than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And, and one of the big things, and I want to get your, in, your input as to how much does this impact the overall mental health of musicians is social media. 
Mm. You know, I mean, we, we know social media is a discussion for everybody, but for a performer, is it even a bigger issue? In, in, in the sense of you've got instant feedback coming to you. And a lot of times that feedback has no value. It's it, there, There's nothing to support it. It's just somebody, as we know, it's just the troll that wants to push the button. And if you don't have the, quote, thick skin, that can mentally tear you apart and tear you down seeing this stuff over and over and over again, whether it's a bad review over and over again, a, a YouTube video, somebody lying about what you, you're claiming you're doing stuff. Is that a bigger impact on people and their mental health today? Oh, absolutely. And I imagine for, for artists, you know, it's, it is an entirely different world than when we came out as a band, you know, 20 years ago uh, as Maroon 5. You know, there was social media was not really a thing yet at that point. And we were just hustling in the old school kind of way of just yeah. going out and building a following uh, grassroots playing shows and you meet people face to face and you and you shake their hand and you sign an autograph or you take a, a picture, you know, <laughs> with film cameras, you know. Well, you know, and, and the key there is people face to face will always act completely different than they would online. Right. That's exactly. Yeah, that's kind of the point I was getting to is that, it, you know, the, the reality that you, you face now as a young person coming up as an artist, but just in general, uh, having a social life on social media is is virtual reality. It's not reality, right? These this is people behaving in ways that are strictly for that context. And as an artist, you know, I think for me, because I grew up in a different era, um, and because I'm relatively new to social media, if there's a troll on my, one of my sites or something, it doesn't really affect me that much. I just think this is part of this game here. And it's I, this it's not even a human being to me, really. That person wouldn't say that to my face. But if I were a 19-year-old kid now, and my entire life had been, you know, uh, on social media growing up, and it, within that context, basing so much of my self-worth on the feedback that I get on what I post, then that stuff is going to affect you to a much higher magnitude. And, and I see it in my work. I mean, young people, the kids, you know, teenagers through into their 20s, the generation that has grown up with social media now, um, it's such a big part of their identity. And it's a big part of, um, it's just a, a lot of hours that they're spending in their day and week uh, consuming and, and producing things online. And it is this avatar world that they're living in, which really disconnects to you from real life. You know, and that's the problem with it for me is that there's this disconnect. It feels like connection. That, that was the purpose. It's supposed to bring us together, right? Yeah. It's supposed to offer us more info and more access, but it's right. really making us less. And it's probably divided us more than anything else and caused more anxiety. I, I would love to get a sense from you. What do you recommend? And I know every case is different, but what do you recommend to people who may know someone who's in trouble or suffering or needs help? What are some, are there any tactics or ways that you can recommend to approach a situation like that where you don't make it worse and you just can help them to get the help they need? Are you talking about mental health or addiction or both? Both. Yeah, I mean, certainly. In general. Yeah, in general, it, it, it's, it's you know, if, you, if you're feeling that somebody is suffering, you know, it's, it's a good idea to check in with them, you know, first and foremost, just to. And in, in a way that's non-judgmental, 
right? Not like, oh, you need to be doing this or you need to be doing that, right? Because that feels like uh, criticism or control or judgment. Um, really, yeah. it's just having compassion. The first thing I do as a therapist is try to listen, of course, you know? And if you have, even if you have a thought or something that is helpful feedback, um, in some ways, that's the last thing they're looking for in that moment, right? Uh, the thing they're looking for first is to feel seen and feel heard, right? So it's really just facilitating somebody's ability to open up and to, uh, and to feel more connected to another human being or to the world. Because mental health issues and addiction in partic partic particular can be very isolating. It can really feel like you're disconnected from life and from people and from the things that are important. Um, so finding that connection is really a huge step of feeling more purposeful and more connected to life. So, you know, first and foremost, I would say, you know, just asking questions, you know, when so, even when they give you an answer that you want to respond to, just think of it in the form of a question. Gotcha. Right, Ryan, in the, in the, in the sense of a band, if you are the person having these feeling you've got issues or you're another band member seeing this, what's the, what, what's a good way for a band to come together and, and support or ask for help within that band world, within management, within record labels. So you don't, you know, you don't immediately hit that alert button and freak people out. Like, Oh my God, He's going, you know, the, the, the drum, the drummer's quitting, the band is over next, next week, the tours, you know, you don't want to start that panic, but how do you get help within that family unit of a band? Well, that's a good way to put it. The family unit of the band, right? Uh, the work that I do is called uh, marriage and family therapy. That's the license in California, uh, marriage and family therapist. And we try to look at individuals within the context of the system that it's in, right? So we're not, no man is, is an island, right? You, you, you have mm -hmm. your, own, your own life and your own mind and your own body and the way that you relate to all those things. Um, but we don't exist in a vacuum. Our first system that we can relate to is our family, right? It's our the family unit, their family of origin, our parents, our siblings. That's uh, the first system that we belong to, right? Uh, but a band is very much like a family. And there are the same, there's the same sort of equilibrium or, or homeostasis in a band as there is in a family. There are rules, there are messages that you get, there are ways in which you, there are roles that you fill within that family that are, there's a push and pull, a natural ebb and flow of the way that everyone relates to each other. And that can either be really healthy or really toxic, right? Just like a family, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, of course, just like anyone, if you approach your bandmate and you say, I think you have a problem, you're probably going to get defensiveness, right? Um, so it, it, it seems to me that the best first approach, especially if there's a lot of external uh, pressure going on, if there's a lot of demands from the outside, is to try to think of it in terms of family therapy, group therapy, you know? Um, yeah. Like we, we need to, as a group, as a family, work on our relationships. If you're doing it in that context, um, then you're helping one another and you're thinking about the business as well as the health of all of you as individuals. And in the process of that, the ways in which the identified patient, as we would call it in a family, um, is suffering or causing problems, that's going to come out in the wash, right? That's going to be a part of any process that you go through as a group or as a family. And that's where the real work gets done.
I bet. That sounds super interesting. I, I wanted to ask you about other ways to kind of maintain your your mental health. For example, when the pandemic struck, um, I started walking every morning for five miles. Get up every single day. I go for that walk. And it just, it changed my life in a lot of different ways because I could listen to podcasts and audiobooks and music. And I was out in nature. I would see animals. You know, I would go when it's still dark out. And I don't recommend necessarily that for everyone. But for me, it became something really important. And now if I don't, like we've had some rains here in California and there were a few days where I, I couldn't go out and I feel differently throughout the day. Talk about some other things that people can do, whether it's exercise, diet, relationships, whatever that is, to kind of help maintain that balance. Well, that's the key word, right? Balance. There's a balance to, to everything and, and there's a balance to nature. And I think the ways in which we can be more connected to the balance of nature uh, are always helpful. Self-care for me is holistic. And by that, I mean the whole being. You can treat you know, each element of yourself, but your mind, body, and spirit and every system within those things um, are all integrated, right? So when you help one element of that, it helps the whole being, right? So makes sense. If, you, if you're just focusing on your body and you're neglecting your, your mind <laughs> and your spirit and your relationships and your relationship to the world and to life and finding purpose in life, then you're missing a lot of the other things. Now, helping your body is going to make it, you know, easier for, for you to do those other things, because when you feel healthy in body, uh, it, it improves your mental health and it improves your ability to go out into the world and do things right. But all of the different facets are important. And so what you're describing, you know, going for a walk in nature, like you said, as opposed to just getting on a treadmill, now you're incorporating a couple different things, right? Because you're getting exercise, you're giving your body what it needs to get out and, and walk, uh, but you're also getting out into the world. And so you're connecting, you're feeling some connection to nature, to the, the larger systems around you, to the ways in which you are connected to something greater than yourself. Yeah. Um, and then now if you include, let's say, going on a hike with a friend, now you're including uh, you know, a, a real human connection, uh, socialization, which we all need to a certain extent. I don't care if you identify as an introvert or an extrovert, we all need socialization to some extent, some more than others. Yeah. Uh, I would consider myself an introvert. I need a lot of time to myself, but if I go too long isolating as we all did in this you know, pandemic, um, you're going to suffer in some ways because it's a part of our makeup. We're evolved to be within our social context. Um, so there's a lot of different things. And I think you have to think of it in that way, the different um, elements of the holistic approach to health, ways in which you can take care of your body, ways in which you can uh, stimulate your mind, you know, reading more, uh, taking on a new task or a new challenge, something uh, that is is going to require you to think and to get outside of your normal box that you're normally in. Um, and the spiritual connection, you know, whatever that means for you, spirituality is something that's different for everyone. But for some, that might mean going to church. For others, it might mean, as I described, just going out into nature more or getting an animal and feeling, you know, a communion with, with another living being. Um, there's so many different ways that you can feed your spirit. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, it's a, that's the long way of saying holistic. Ryan, and th this, this might be obvious to the experienced veteran musicians who've toured and stuff, but for the younger musicians who maybe are even just going out on their first, you know, one week band tour, 
is it important to schedule in time every day to, you know, and again, this seems obvious, but sleep when you can get sleep. Eat good food whenever possible. Stop junk food. Stop crap food. Um, you know, me time, which is, you know, whether that's going out for a walk for one hour before sound check or going to the hotel's exercise room and exercising or meditating or reading a book, is that, are those simple things that can be incorporated at the very beginning to help you, you know, re maintain your, your mental awareness, your mental sharpness and not, not burn yourself out? Well, there's two answers to that question. And the first one is yes, absolutely. Uh, and that applies to anyone, not just an artist on tour. But number two uh, is that's particularly difficult to do when you're an artist on tour, right? Especially mm -hmm. if you're if you're not in the phase yet where you have, you know, five star hotels and, you know, catered food and all that stuff. So, I mean, when we were driving around in a van around the U.S. for two years, you know, and promoting a record by playing at clubs that at best you might get a taco from the kitchen or, you know, something really greasy, a hot dog or something. Uh, all the things you described become that much more difficult. Um, so, you know, I, I, I have a lot of compassion for people trying to do exactly what you described in that context, but it is possible and it, it's applicable to, to every human being. When you're neglecting your, your physical body, it affects your mental health. When you're neglecting, uh, you know, any aspect of the things I just described, it's going to affect everything else. So trying to find ways to take care of yourself. Certainly, you start with the basics. I mean, look, if you want to have fun on the road, no one can blame you, of course, right? But we all suffer when we don't get enough sleep, right? That's just a basic yeah. human need. If you're not rested, all of your systems are not functioning at the highest level. So, you know, just as a, as a starting point, just getting the sleep that you can get when you can get it um, is probably maybe number one in terms of importance. Uh, but yeah, trying to, when you have the option, you know, if you're, if you're at a, you know, a truck stop and there's an apple versus a bag of chips, certainly, you know, <laughs> you get that apple. But those yeah. chips are so delicious. <laughs> but the chips are apple flavor. Doesn't right. that count? <laughs> apple chips. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it's tough. I get it. I ate a lot of, you know, Subway meatball subs when I was on the road. Uh, but, you know, no judgment. I, no judgment. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And there's a place for that. It's just, yes. you know, it's, it's, we're, we're just, we're living, uh, breathing organic matter and what we put into our, ourselves physically and figuratively, the, the things we consume on a daily yeah. basis. You know, when, when I'm, when I get up in the morning and I turn on the news or I scroll through my phone and all you're seeing is negative stuff, and hateful stuff, or people complaining about other people or all the terrible things that are going on in the world that I'm putting certain things into my, into my mind that are yeah. going to affect me in a certain way. In the same way that if I'm eating junk food, it's going to affect me. So I think being mindful of everything that we consume, both literally and figuratively has an effect on our being. I think that's spot on. Um, and that's that's a good way to kind of wind this down. Um, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, so you've got the book, Harder to Breathe. You do therapy, coaching. Talk for a second about what you do and how people can reach you and learn more about you. So right now, um, I'm working at a clinic called the Missing Peace Center for Anxiety, which is in Agoura Hills, California. Oh, right by me. 
There you go. Excellent. And uh, I also have private clients that I see as a, I have my own practice now. Um, and I, it's through the same supervisor there at the clinic. Uh, so everything's there in my office there. Um, I have a website, ryandusick.com, that has access to everything I'm doing, both in that world and as an author and speaker. Uh, my book, Harder to Breathe, is on sale on, at basically anywhere you buy books, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Target, et cetera. Awesome. Um, and it's all there on the website. You, uh, you can find me also on Instagram, at Ryan Michael Dusick. Um, that's kind of where I have a lot of like old videos of the band and new videos of me talking about mental health. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, it's like, I have started like four different careers all at the same time <laughs> as a, as a, uh, therapist and coach as a, an author and, uh, an advocate and, and speaker. So I have been doing some speaking and stuff there. That is so good. Uh, Ryan, thank you Ryan. so much for joining us. Every time we talk, it's just, uh, it's inspirational. I love that you're helping other people. We'll continue to, uh, spread the word and, and hopefully we can uh, have you back on again. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Thank for you so much, Ryan. This was, again, this was fascinating. Great, great, great insight. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. Visit discmakers.com to place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use promo code FREEBIZ and get free shipping up to a one. I love discussions like that, Jay. It's, it's, it's valuable information to everybody, not just musicians. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody's got something in their lives that is stressing them pushing sure. their buttons and right. you know it's how you deal with it it's how you manage it i think i think unfortunately we many of us become better at dealing with it as we get older yeah. you learn what's not as important to you and don't worry about it it's when you're young and all of these things are hitting you that you don't have that experience to know I don't need to worry about that one. That's right. And I think the the internet, which socials and everything we talk about is super important because it's a double-edged sword. It's It can be the cause of a lot of pressure and stress and pain, but it also is a place where you can go to find out, guess what? I'm not the only one. I'm not the only that... one. You can connect with others like you for that help. Yeah. You know, I have I made a, a post a year ago and I recently reposted it that you know, social media, and, and and this was because a lot of people are like, it's social media's fault, it's Facebook's fault, it's Twitter's fault. And the answer is no, it's your fault because in in the world of social media and all these websites, you have complete control over what you're going to be exposed to and what you're going to read and what's going to what's gonna push your buttons for the day. And I know from my own personal experience, I used to get all of my news and I was following all everything on social media. And I was just every yeah. day. Yeah. And I finally was like, nope, I'm getting rid of all the news. I'll go get my news from regular news sources, um, get rid of these people who are pushing buttons and make social media what makes you happy more music, more TV shows, more movies, yeah. whatever it is, you got the total control yeah. to, to, to change the settings and yeah. make your site, your, your life enjoyable yeah. so that when you it. wake up in the morning and you scroll yeah. through Facebook, you're going, Oh my God, that's a fun memory. Oh God. I remember that movie, that TV show, that well, album, then it becomes whatever. a positive, right? It's, it's not a, positive. a negative. It's not a negative. So I, I would encourage that's something everybody should do is it's it's within your power 
to to change your social media to deliver what you want absolutely not what not what they want because again remember they want to deliver controversial hot topic stuff because that keeps you engaged in yeah, that divisive and, talk and talking and fighting yeah. that that any social media network that's gold to them because you stay there longer and they can put more ads in front of you that's don't right. let them do that and you can turn yeah. it off you know i did something similar to that michael i am um, on twitter i stopped following all that stuff and i just started following comedians and it changed everything. I, I follow probably 20, 25 different comedians. And yes, they will once in a while post something that's political, but it is such a joy to look at that feed. It makes you laugh, makes you smile. So it's now it's not that divisive, political, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and, that's, and that's, what, that, that's one small thing in all of our lives, but that's something we can, you can sit down today and change your Facebook feed and change your Twitter and change Instagram to just give you what makes you smile and makes yeah. you happy every day. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I'm not saying that's sticking your head in the sand because I will still wake up in the morning and I'll go to my Apple News app, which has given me all the news feeds from all the various sources. But that's a news context. I'm right. not sitting here getting some random social media users, you know, uneducated opinion on this, which is what triggers you. Yeah. Just, just read the news. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great discussion. I think we should have Ryan on uh, again. I think it's something that's near and dear to our hearts, but it's also something that we need to be reminded of from time to time. Look, it's, we know it's stressful out there. And especially if you're a developing artist, middle-class artist, and you're handling all your socials and your writing, recording and touring and PR. And I mean, it can be overwhelming and I think you, as you, as he was saying, you need to put healthy food into your body. You have to put healthy thoughts into your mind. You have to do a lot of different things, but you need to take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, um, let's continue this discussion. I, I would love to hear our listeners um, comments on this head over to the artist community on bands in town. Um, join us at bands in town. And what do you do for your mental health? You know, are there certain things you avoid? There are certain things you make sure you do every day. You know, again, maybe it's you do yoga, you meditate, you just silently reflect. Whatever it is for you that works, how do you um, deal with the challenges of keeping yourself mentally strong day after day in the music industry where again there's a lot of outside influences that are just pushing you to succeed succeed do whatever you got to do succeed 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 yeah and if you can't succeed you're a failure and and that uh, that whole thing right there is wrong you know what are you doing to stay fresh alert sharp yeah so let us know join us over at the artist community and once again, just a quick shout out to Bruce and everybody at HypeBot and Bands in Town for your support. And to our sponsors, Banzoogle.com and DiscMakers.com. That's it, everybody. We'll see you next week. And industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, 
Get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship this opportunities. for Music Biz Weekly, provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.